Independent. Expressive of a spirit of independence, self-confident, unconstrained. Independence Day has been on a summer break, so welcome back to the show that examines the changing face of the music business and the people who are doing the changing. Independence Day brings you independent artists, producers, and music industry visionaries with in-depth interviews, live performances, and inside information, all without hype and direct from the artists who practice their craft. Tonight on Independence Day, Gan Brewer. Lots of artists like to sing about wandering, but few log the kind of actual miles that Mississippi-born singer-songwriter Gan Brewer does. Brewer is a rambler in the truest sense of the word. Ask him where his home is, and he'll pause to ponder the question, because the answer might be hard for him to figure. He's been known to hang his hat in New York City and California, but never for long. Mostly, he has spent the last 20 years spinning wheels and spinning yarns with his original songs, penned in the tradition of the trailblazers of his genre. World-class wanderers like Ramblin' Jack Elliott, Woody Guthrie, John Prine, Guy Clark, Mississippi John Hurt, and Hank Williams all come to mind. Fully seven of the 14 songs on his sophomore album, titled Peddlers and Ghosts, name-check specific places in their titles, and the characters in his songs that ground Brewer and inspire him to leave again could only be conjured by meeting real people somewhere along the way from one show to another. And those shows have been plentiful. 75 in 2013 alone spread out over several continents. The road is his master, and Gan Brewer serves it well, but the road takes care of him in turn. His southern disposition gives him the ability to observe and participate at the same time, and his performances take place wherever he happens to pull his trusty Gibson acoustic out of his weathered guitar case. Brewer is a citizen of the world, and he'll bring you a bit of all of it if you let him. Welcome to Independence Day, Gan Brewer. Hey, man. Thanks, Joe. It's good to be here. Thank you so much for taking time while you're out traveling around the world to come and do the show. I appreciate it so much. Oh, yeah. It's good to, good to be back uh, back in Los Angeles and sit still for a few days at least. A few minutes. Yeah. No, I know. Here's the thing. Like, just to give a little background about you, uh, you're originally from Mississippi, kind of a sleepy part of the American Southeast. Uh, I have some experience with that area myself, so I say that not as a derogatory term or a pejorative term, but it's just kind of the pace of life is slower there. It's different there. It is. I mean, when I when I was a kid and growing up there, um, I grew up about 30 miles south of Memphis, Tennessee, and uh, not far from the border. And um, my town, which had uh, I remember it had 5,013 people in the 1980 census. And, you know, growing up there, it, it seemed like a big town compared to some of the little yeah. towns around there. It had its own little, what they called a junior college, a community college. Yeah. Back then. There's a town near my parents' house. Well, it's on the map. If you look at a map, like an atlas, it's listed on the town, but it's really just a T crossroads. Yes. And there's not, there's a two gas stations... And for a long time, there were just two gas stations, but now there's a mechanic shop there too. But that's a town, yes. ostensibly. It's yeah. very, very different from a lot of the places. And that leads me to my first question for you is, I mean, you're around the world. Like you are definitely, you have some wanderlust in your blood. What was it in you, you think, that growing up where you did that made you get out and get all, just have that kind of wherewithal to get out, way out among the, in the world? It was my grandfather, without question, my, my father's father, who um, we grew up on, uh, on some land just about, just on the outskirts of the small town. And he and my grandmother, when my, when my dad and uncle got out of college in the 60s, my grandfather and gr- grandmother started traveling, just, you know, vacations here and there. But over the course of 15, 20 years, they, 
went a lot of places. So he had a lot of souvenirs and different things from China and, you know, Asia, um, Alaska. And was he, he in the military? He was not in the military. He was, um, he had done most of his traveling uh, when he was in his 50s and 60s. Have you read The Hobbit? I have read The Hobbit. There's a thing called the, the Took, T-O-Took blood, yes. T-O-O-K. And like the took side of the uh-huh. Bilbo Baggins is the side that has the wanderlust. That's right. So that's you've got right. some you've got some took in you, man. Yes, yes. That's the that's the Brewer side of me, the the name that I carry. But um, but my grandfather did a lot of had done all that, and that was ingrained in me from a very early age. And then when I was in college at, at Mississippi State back in the mid nineties, my grandfather, my grandmother had passed away by then, but he still wanted to travel and. I was fortunate for him to um, uh, take me on three different occasions to Europe. And so we, we went to Scandinavia one year and Scotland another and um, and just kind of all over Europe another year. Um, so that, and then, uh, and then my sister lived, she was in the army, still is, and um, she was stationed over in Heidelberg. Okay. And this was, this all kind of started happening about the same time. And um, so I would go over there and stay with her, stay the summers in Heidelberg. And so when I got out of college, it, it was really only natural to yeah. go over to Europe and find, find work. It's very, very interesting for me to meet y- you specifically because, again, knowing the kind of Southern archetypes, there's a lot of people that I, I'm related to, a lot of people that I know. I mean, they've never been more than 50 or 100 miles from home. Mm-hmm. You know, in that small town, That's right. and to ha- to see someone like you coming out of the south is is fascinating to me. Yeah. Like, you know where that came from. You know, from your grandfather, because it makes me wonder where he got it from. Because he must have got it from somewhere too. I bet he got it from books. I, um, I don't know how he started traveling with it. I think the first time, I think when in the early fifties, when he was a young man in his mid thirties. He somehow won a trip to Europe. I don't know how it was, but he he wound up going to Europe for a few days with a, a, some other tourists on a on a tour of sorts, and they went to um, Ireland or somewhere. and And I think he just just um, kind of fell in love with it from there. And he also was a hunter, and he would go he would hunt in the Rocky Mountains and, okay. and in Alaska, and so he loved nature. And he was always reading uh, Zane Gray, Louis L'Amour books, which he passed on to me. I've, I'm on my fourth Louis L'Amour book okay. this year. They're the greatest to read while you're traveling. Yeah, because there's, I mean, in the American, you know, condition, we've got like the Kerouac type of traveling and yes. the Steinbeck type of traveling. But then the traveling that a musician does is like that, but yet not at the same time. Yes. You know, there's a great literary tradition in, in wandering West. And I was just watching a Ken Burns documentary last night about the American West and how, you know, the whole concept of manifest destiny, our whole society is uh-huh. a mobile society because we started off on the East Coast largely, unless you've got, you know, Latino sure. blood that came up from Mexico sure. or maybe sure. French Canadian. We moved West. So this ideal of movement that's right. And reinvention and resettling of yourself is like very deep in our blood. And to see it exemplified so specifically in someone like you who was off playing yeah. music and taking them, taking their music to the people. It's a sure. courageous thing, man. Sure. Sure. Well, I, I bounced around for a long time and um, out of America. 
uh, from about the mid late nineties until about five years ago. But I've I've really enjoyed, and I've become more of a songwriter. I really didn't write a song until I was over thirty, and um, and since I've been doing that, and since I've been traveling, it, it just seemed more natural traveling around America with my own songs. Yeah, and um, and it's it's really enjoyable. So were you traveling playing music? before that and just playing other people's songs or I was, was, did they come together with the music? It all just different. It all kind of happened. I was living, I was traveling uh, in different places, living in places like New Zealand and the Caribbean and Europe and the Middle East um, and uh, some more. And, and I would just get jobs slowly. Um, I would, I would, um, in my early mid twenties, I was working in Europe and I had jobs and then I would move and bounce around and go to Thailand or New Zealand and get jobs. And then I would come back to America and, you know, work for a year and go back to, uh, wherever. But slowly in different places, about 10 or 15 years ago, I started getting the opportunity to play music. And I think one of the, first places was on an island called Kochang in Thailand about 15 years ago these young guys asked me to play at their resort and they said we'll put you up in a bungalow if you play two hours a night do you have their phone number <laughs> I'm doing that <laughs> they were I'm gonna call them I was walking down the beach on I think it was called White Sands Beach on Kochang in eastern to southeast Thailand and I just had my guitar on my back and I was just you know, I just enjoyed like meeting people and like playing them a John Prine song. I, again, I had not written songs at that time. I loved playing Jimmy Rogers and John Prine and whoever. But they asked me to play that night at their bar, and um, and I started playing. And then it was like, you, we'll give you two meals a day, and you can stay in the bungalow. Which, mind you, the bungalow had they not given it to me, would have cost three dollars a night or the equivalent thereof in Thai Bot, or whatever the rate was. But slowly over the years in places like there and, and the Virgin Islands, and um, I started playing more and more gigs at night and working, you know, construction or whatever and, you know, washing dishes, whatever it was. I was yeah, doing just, less and less. Just to keep you on the road. Yeah, yeah. You do anything you can to stay on the road, and I still do, you know, sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm talking with Gan Brewer, G-A-N-N. -N. You can learn about him at ganbrewer.com. Pretty much everything you need to know there. He's got a handful of records, a brand new one, which is coming out in July. It's called Peddlers and Ghosts. He is a troubadour in the true sense of the word, and he's got the most impressive case of wanderlust I think I've ever seen. So let's give a listen to something from that new record, Peddlers and Ghosts. We've picked the track, Coldwater River Rising. So let's listen to this on Independence Day. Gan Brewer. Surprising, 
Hickahala fed on that Mississippi River, about twenty miles west. I thought I heard you calling for to take my final rest, and I'm a long way from Tate County, with a long way still to roam. Cold water river rising. Feeling in my bones. They'll be calling out to you From that muddy county line Be pretending you don't hear them Like you've done it every time Cause you can run off to the city Across the ocean wide And sell your soul to something pretty And I'm just saying you can't hide and I'm a long way from Tate County With a long way still to roam Cold water river rising I can feel it in my bones And I'm a long way from Cenotopia With a long way still to roam Cold water river rising Feel it in my bones. I can feel it in my bones. The artist is Gan Brewer. You are listening to Independence Day. My name is Joe Armstrong. You can pick up Gan Brewer's record at ganbrewer.com. Uh, there's a soft release of this record. It's kind of been bouncing around the world. It's been out there for a few months in certain situations, maybe at shows, etc. But uh, proper release, I believe, happens on July 8th. So drop by ganbrewer.com and pick that up. The album is filled. Look, we're looking here. 14 tracks. And these are pretty much... The, the cool thing about this record is it's very close to what you do when you play live. You yes. know, it's not like a singer, solo singer, songwriter guy who then has a big band behind him for mm-hmm. the record. You pretty kept it pretty close. There's a little piano, a little mandolin. Um, did you have a producer for this record? Did you, you kind of did you do produce it yourself? I have. Um, I I guess technically I produced this one myself, but I I give a lot of credit on this record to Jeremiah Tucker in Memphis who. Um, who recorded it and uh, did a lot of the mixing. I, I was fortunate with both of my CDs, uh, uh, the, both of my full-length CDs of original music I recorded in Memphis. The first with Nancy Apple in an intimate home studio about six, seven years ago, and then this one with Jeremiah um, uh, late last year. But um, it was... We tried to... I, was, I wanted to go with the direction... I remember I was in Memphis playing uh, one time, and someone uh, made a comment about a song that they had heard, and 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 they said that doesn't sound like that person sounds live. And right. We, we started talking about it, and that stuck in my head. And I, 
I really wanted to focus on this record with making it sound as, you know, like it does live. So yeah. Jeremiah is just so relaxed. And like we're doing now, it was uh, me and him in the studio with a dog. And um, and it was it just felt right. And I would go in and, um, and just, you know, I don't think that any track on Peddlers and Ghosts has more than three instruments on it. And right. about half of the 14 tracks are just vo- vocals and guitar. Yeah. Now, would you do them completely live, like guitars, vocals, same time? I do guitars and vocals completely okay. live. Okay. Um, for this one, I uh, we added the mandolin. I had a friend from, I was playing out, well, out here in California at a place I'm playing in a few weeks and played a few times. Uh, What's La, that place? It's, it's in La Honda. It's called Applejacks. Okay. It's a, it's a um, I can describe it as a bar in the woods. Um and, and it's a great place. They have music on Sunday afternoons and uh, and other times. But I generally play on the Sunday afternoon gig about twice a year. And and I was playing with a girl named Lisa Kelly. She she had just showed up. I had never met her before that day. And she had a mandolin. And she lived within walking distance of, of Apple Jacks. And after one of the songs, this was when I was one of those road trips last year. I was out here a lot. And I was about to drive across the country via a few places in New Mexico, Texas, New Orleans, and then back up to Memphis to finish the record. And so anyway, back to Apple Jacks, Lisa was playing a song with me. And I told her after the break, you know, after the, you know, people, the few people clapped or whatever, I said, wow, Lisa, that sounds great. I wish you could come to Memphis and record on the record. You know, and she said, okay. So needless to say, about three weeks later, I picked this uh, amazing mandolin player up at the airport in Memphis, and um, and she played on my record, and um, and that was that was really nice. I I couldn't pay her, but I took her to Stax Records. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's like a Taoist way. Like you seem like there's a you've got a very Taoist air about you. How you go through your life, like you uh, instead of forcing things to happen, it seems like you kind of let things happen. Yeah. Is that the case? Yeah, I, I think that that they do. I, this was a record I remember being frustrated for a couple of years because when I made my first record um, in 2008 with, with Nancy Apple, um, I thought, well, this is, okay, now I've made a record, and I'll make another one in two years and another in, two, you know. But all of a sudden, all these years went by, uh, four or five years, and I was, and I, I finally just came to realize this this record is going to happen when it's meant to happen, the songs are yeah. going to come, and I haven't. I guess I have a different way of writing a lot of my songs. There are the certain songs that I, you know, sit down with a pen and they don't exist, and thirty minutes later they exist in their full form. But many of these songs, they kind of are born over over a period of time. Yeah, you know, that maybe a year or two, and so they all seem to come together at the right time. And it was a time where I was back in the South uh, for a few weeks, and it was also SEC football season, and that's my favorite time of year to be Southeastern there. Conference Southeastern Conference, to those Conference. of you who are in, did, does not worship uh, football as a religion. Yes, yes it's well, They do have other blood. sports in the SEC other than just football. Baseball's big there. That's what we think about is, is football. Yeah, baseball's really big in the SEC. We always like to send a few teams to, to the College World Series in Omaha. Um but um but yeah it all it all just kind of worked out and and 
and came together at the right time, and uh, we were really, really happy with that. Yeah, it turned out really, really well. Like I said, it, it, it reflects what you do live, which is, you'll get a feel for this in a second. I'd love you to play a song here in a second or two. Sure. Um, but it's a very, I mean, it's, it's in no way Jimmy Buffett. I mean, but it's, it's definitely in the tradition of just kind of easygoing singer-songwriters, where you tell, it's a little bit of Towns Van Zandt, where you kind of tell a story. Uh, they, these songs all have a sense of place, which is another thing you're good about. But we'll talk about writing songs here in just a second. So why don't you play a song for us, man? What's this first tune going to be? This is a song... Um that I wrote called Miss Smoky Mountain. It was um, it was inspired by a girl, uh, initially inspired by a girl that I met down in, in southeastern India um, that was on her way to an ashram. And, um, but she was from Chattanooga, Tennessee. And, um, and so she inspired it. And, um, and over the course of the next year or so, I um, um, wrote this song. All right. And again, I can tell that you're a legitimate Southerner because you say Tennessee. Yes. And not Tennessee, which is what everybody else says. <laughs> and you can also tell I'm from Illinois. And you can always tell the people who are not from the Midwest because they say Illinois. Yes. Different thing. All right. Gan Brewer, looking forward to hearing this man on Independence Day. Across the water and meet me on the circus side, and I'll take you to that yonder border. Bound to make you satisfied. Across this river, I've been dreaming of all the things the future holds. Smoky Tennessee horizons And how that Mississippi rolls Miss Smoky Mountain, you're a dreamer But you can't change who you are They'll try to make you what they want you to be But that won't get you very far Played a cowboy song in Juno, a John Prine cover in LA, and one I pinned about New York City, passing through that Corpus Christi Bay, and tried to tell you in Wyoming, well, I'd take anything you give. Smile, kiss, or a forever It's all those things that make us live I miss Smoky Mountain, you're a dreamer But you can't change who you are They'll try to make you what they want you to be But that won't get you very far
too bold, I did declare my freedom. Too many nights out in the wind. I hardly felt the seasons changing. And that's the time that you walked in. I miss Smoke Mountain, you're a dreamer. But you can't change who you are. They'll try to make you what they want you to be but that won't get you very far no that won't get you very far My name is Joe Armstrong. You are listening to Independence Day. Tonight's guest is Gann Brewer, G-A-N-N Brewer, the traditional way. Uh, he's a Mississippi-born songwriter, but man, you are a child of the world, I think. You're talking about ashrams. You're talking about being on the beach in Thailand. You're talking about playing shows in Alaska. You are out and about and all up in it. People can learn about you and find out your touring schedule at gannbrewer.com. Thank you so much again for coming out. And you don't tweet. Like you're, you're kind of, you've got the ganbrewer.com is kind of like the singular yes. place. It's, it's good though. It's kind of, it keeps it simple. Simple is good. I'm not anti-tweet. I just haven't done it yet. I haven't gotten around I, to it. Well, you're busy traveling, this. man. It's hard. We shouldn't be tweeting when you're driving down the road anyway. Well, that's true. Yes. Tell me this. This is kind of a weird thing. What, um, what kind of vehicle? Because as much as you travel, you know, your vehicle must be a really big part of this. What do you drive? I drive a Toyota Prius. That's what I, that's what I figured the answer was going to be. It's a big musician's car these days, it's especially great. for solo people. It saves, yeah. a lot of, saves a lot of gas. It's great. Um, and I, I um, have had this Prius for about five years. It, it's, uh, it's a really good car. It's, it, came, it was the model where they, the tires were a little bigger. And so I, I, uh, I feel pretty safe in it. And I, I have 85,000 miles on this car. I bet... 70,000 of it was crossing the country and back. Yeah. And in some places you don't you don't see too many like when I'm I'm down south, but I, I have a, uh, a funny recollection of being here in Los Angeles sometime in the last year I was out here one of the times and I I pulled up to a four-way stop where was it um Marina del Rey I believe or around uh Venice. And there were four Priuses that all pulled up to the four-way stop at the same time. Three of them were silver, just like mine, and the car behind me was a Prius. So I think that Los Angeles is the number one percentage of Priuses, followed closely by San Francisco. Yeah. Very progressive place, forward-thinking, yes. more apt to jump in with the new technology. I, we yes. rented one. My family goes on a rafting trip up to the Nantahala region of mm -hmm. uh, western North Carolina every Labor Day. I don't get to go very often because it's pretty far on the other side of the country, but last year I managed to go, and we rented a Prius to drive from where my folks' house is in Alabama up there, and it was a good experience. Yeah. I had fun driving that car. Great. It's they don't made... have the best pickup, but you know that's not oh, the man. biggest deal. Well, I realized when I started having to pay for the gas that, pickup is expensive yeah 
I'd, I'd rather trade it for the other stuff here, man. So with all these shows that you're doing, um, the simple way to say this would be how independent are you? Are you booking most of these shows yourself or do you have someone that you work with to book all these shows? I, uh, I have a friend who, who sends out the emails and does the contact with the people. But I do all of the research. I myself um, will, I try to say I book three months out, but all the time I'm trying to fill something in three, four yeah, weeks yeah. from now. But I'll have a general skeletal frame of what I want to be doing the next four months. I'll start filling them in. I'll research the venues, the town, so that I don't have to, you know, be in, you know, Portland or San Francisco one night and then, you know, you don't want to play San Diego the next night. Right. But, um, and then I send that to a, a friend who who um, sends out the um, the the, uh, like the, email, the requests the request. stuff like that and does the because I'm I'm not very good with with technology and computers and and also from a more practical standpoint I learned about th- two or three four years ago when I myself would send the the requests out I didn't get the responses as much and right when I when someone else sends them out um, um, you know people take take you more seriously yeah to have it's almost like the record label thing now like people a lot of people start little record labels just so that they have that kind of air of legitimacy yes. because you don't really need a label but mm-hmm. there's still a cachet to being on a label even if it's just a label I mean a lot of people I know they're the only artist on that label. Mm-hmm. Like they created that label, they financed that label, and the label really only exists so that there's an imprint on their record. Um, excuse me, but it does, it gives them that air of like legitimacy or it gives them like, oh, well, someone, it's the idea that someone else is investing in what you're doing, mm-hmm. I think is the simple thing. Because sure. I, I used to have, when I used to play bands regularly, that was always a thing. And I always try to rope somebody into doing that. Yeah. You know, like it's not so much that I, I don't want to do it. I mean, I don't want to do it, but. It's, it, it gives it that extra level, yeah. you know, having some kind of team of some kind behind sure. you, you know, sure. it puts it makes a little a more difference. weight behind you. It puts a little more weight behind that, you. Uh, that helps. Anything yeah. Helps. How about another tune? Another tune, man. What's this next one going to be? Sure. This is a song. It's called Who Told You I Was Down. And I, um, I started writing this song um, for about the last five years. I've, I've lived in New York City. Um, some years that means three months, and some years that means nine months. But um, one of the places I spent a lot of time is my friends. Uh, my friends have a house out at uh, Rockaway Beach, Queens, where where New York folk go to surf. Yeah, and uh, I think it was, I think it was Hurricane Irene or S- Storm Irene, Superstorm, Superstorm Irene, Sandy the year before Irene. Sandy. Uh-huh. There was a storm that was coming in. That was supposed to be really bad, and it, it did some damage, but it was nothing on the, but nothing like Sandy. But I this was a song that was born out there at Rockaway. I started writing it when the when the the clouds just just got just crazy colors and forms and and coming in, and uh, and it inspired this song. All right, so once again, Gan Brewer with one of his original tunes here on Independence Day. Guess I gotta hand it to you You sure know when to run 
just about the time them airplanes get to blocking out the sun and the morning don't come easy and don't even tell me about the rain and Alibaba's back in town and things are bound to go insane who told you I was down who told you I was down who told you I was down? I never called your name. You know I almost hit the big time. You seen me running against the wind. It's almost like you wanna see me. I'm stuck in the mud again. I kinda like it when you hold me and whisper softly in my ear. All the things you never told me And never wanted me to hear Who told you I was down? Who told you I was down? Who told you I was down? I never called your name We can count them all night, baby. 27, 13, 10. That's about the time them old friends get to coming around here again. Well, I said a prayer for New York City. You said a prayer for Tennessee. We were always on the same page. But it still comes back to what you want to believe. Told you I was down. Who told you I was down? Who told you I was down? I never called your name. Who told you I was down? Who told you I was down? Who told you I was down? I got a whole lot further to fall. Another great song from Gan Brewer, dropped by ganbrewer.com, G-A-N-N-B-R-E-W-E-R, ganbrewer.com. Also dropped by indepday.com, I-N-D-E-P-D-A-Y.com to hear all of our episodes. We've got well over 110 episodes now, a lot of really great music back there. I encourage people to check it out if you're bored at work, or even if you're not bored at work, it's worth a listen. Uh, so Gan, again, you're like Mississippi born and bred, born and raised, but now you're kind of everywhere at once, it seems like. Um, it's, you're kind of a rambler, you know? I suppose. Yeah, in, in that sense. Like, is it hard to maintain relationships with people when you're you're so mobile all the time? And, you know, like your family, your friends? Well, in in some way, I mean, it's it's difficult to have that, that consistent, you know, relationship with a person or, you know, or 
where where you're in one place all the time because you know moving like I do and traveling alone the majority of the time, um, you know you, you you miss that. But at the same time, I I feel like there's people. It's almost like I have seven different places that I never left. So you, you come right. back somewhere. I mean, and I'm talking specifically the last couple of years traveling around America, around the states playing music. But it seems like I I go to certain places, and I see people, and you know it's great to see them. I'm here for a day or I'm here for a week, and we get to visit and catch up. And then, you know, when you when you walk out, it's like I'll see you in two months or I'll see you in the fall. And um, yeah, and so so that's great. When I first started doing this um, this way, when I really got stubborn about playing in the states and traveling at at all costs, I. I had a basic formula, which I still pretty much hold to, and that is, I will get I get my gigs where I have friends with a couch, you know, right. or a second bedroom, or there's some place that I can crash because otherwise, um, you know, I couldn't do it. That's kind of the life of a musician at this level is is having a network of people around that you mm-hmm. can count on for that kind of thing. And a lot of people, like myself included, you know, I've been on both sides of that coin. You know, I've been the guy crashing on couches, sleeping on floors, like begging for an air mattress, you know, yeah. loading your toiletries in and out of a bathroom a thousand, you know, 365 days a year instead of like reaching for the shampoo that's always there. You know, it's a little travel. You've got to have this down to a science. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I've always wanted, I, I, one of these days I want to be that person that people can come and stay with, but yeah. I, I don't think that's going to happen this year. But I, um, um, you know, I, I've kind of learned how to how to go places and keep my my um, footsteps light, you yeah. know, and not, you know, no no, you know, when it when when the time is is to kind of hang around and when I need to kind of yeah. go off and disappear for a few hours or whatever. Yeah, well, that's just it. I mean, it teaches. I mean, you you seem like a well mannered guy to begin with, but people don't let you come back. You know, if you yes. kick their cat and eat their food and yes. leave a mess in their break house, their window, break their windows, uh, eat up all, you know, sit on their couch yes. all day and watch TV. <laughs> you know, you, you learn good manners if you haven't learned them already because it behooves you. Sure. You have to have those skills. It helps to get along with their dogs, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, dogs are the best, man. Uh, one thing I also like about your music is that you've got a very, very strong sense of place in your music. And I think it ties into your sense of wanderlust. Like mm-hmm. you, you, uh, name dropping isn't the right phrase to use exactly, but you're, you're like place dropping, you know, like mm-hmm. in that last song, you know, you mentioned, uh, New York city, you mentioned Tennessee, like you mentioned specific places. I mean, is that yeah. just something that happens naturally or did you, when you started writing, was that something that was just kind of a topic that you liked or you, you that came naturally to write about or, or that? What? That song, as well as uh, the first song, Miss Smoky Mountain, I I kind of see them the way that they came out. the The final song, they're kind of like like a dream. Like I'm I'm walking through this time period of a year or two within thirty seconds, and and I feel like it it bounces from Tennessee to New York. And I know in Miss Smoky Mountain, I think there's one sentence that mentions. Um, uh, Juno, L.A., Corpus Christi Bay, and Wyoming in the same yeah. sentence. Yeah, that's a and lot of miles to throw in one it, sentence. It is, but it's thousands it's, and thousands. But it's it kind of it kind of um, it, what I'm attempting to do is, or I guess I was attempting to do, or what came out was 
was something that kind of showed, uh, you know, the places I went and the, and and that there was a commonality in the in, in my mentality toward this this lady, Miss Smoky Mountain, uh-huh. uh, regardless of, of where I was and what I was doing. That while she's out there in this place, you know, finding herself and trying to understand, you know, um, um, who she is, that the, the narrator, you know, be it me or be it not me or however it is interpreted, is is out there doing this other thing. It's just moving around and just the miles and the sweat. and But, the, but then they come together you yeah. know, even if it's only in a spiritual way. Yeah. And I think what people don't really think about is the fact that, you know, you and I, we're sitting still here in this room with the dog, yes. you know, and our glasses of water, our microphones, et cetera. We're sitting still. And people think about sitting still in their small towns. Like this is something that happens a lot, I think, in the Southeast or the rural Midwest or maybe the, you know, the, the desert areas in the West. They're not really sitting still. Like you may never go 50 miles from your home, but you're hurtling through space. Thousands exactly. of miles per hour, yes. and then that's rotating, and then the solar system is moving through the galaxy, and the galaxy is moving through the universe, yeah. and God only knows what the universe is moving through, because there's, I think being being still, and we're getting older, time is passing, mm-hmm. you know, our hearts are pumping blood, but being still in stasis is really an illusion, yeah. you know. So if you jump into the stream and let the stream carry you along, that's right, it will carry you along. That's right. You have to yeah. have the courage to jump in, man. You know, there are people who um, who are, are not able. For whatever reason, life life comes at you, and you're you're unable to um, to to travel. And um, it's not I, necessarily a bad thing. It's you know? not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, it's I have I've had people say to me that they, you know, live vicariously through through my travels and the places that I've been, and and quite often I'm just thinking, you know, right back at you. I'm I'm living vicariously through. Your stability and the, yeah. the things that that uh, give you fulfillment. So let me ask you this: You know, do you mean you sleep in so many different places, so many different times? Do you ever wake up like and not knowing where you are and have to check yourself and go, "Where in God's name? <laughs> whose house is this?" That happens almost nightly because okay. I have sleep paralysis. And uh, do you know sleep paralysis? It's when you. Um, I used to be terrified of it. It started happening. In my mid twenties, happens maybe twice a week, where you wake up. I bet you'll recognize this once I describe it, and many listeners will. Where you wake up and you're in a total state of paralysis. You feel like you're awake, but you can't move, and you're stuck. And you, you can think logically. You can even, I, you know, see things in the room and see shadows and hear things. So sometimes when that happens, I it, literally I do feel like I'm. You know, like, like, what is going on? But as far as, like, uh, going from place to place and, uh, um, you know, I, I try to keep a, um, keep my head about me and yeah. you know, know where I am. Yeah, you can't really walk around in your underwear if no. you're staying in somebody else's house. It's, it's a whole different experience. I'm going down to, um, yeah, to stay in, uh, uh, in San Diego tonight. Um, um, with some friends and in, in, a, in a detached uh, dwelling, and I'm in, with with um, no windows or excuse me, no curtains on the windows. So you're like walking around, and the whole you know the whole place can see you. So. All God's children can see whether or not you're walking around in your underwear. <laughs> yes. Uh, do you think that where you're from had like had an effect on your music? 
Or if so, or if so, what kind of effect did it have? I think so. I think Southerners in general are, um, you know, and I can only speak for, for Southerners on this because I've only been a Southerner, but or I've, you know, that's where I, I come from. But I believe we're suckers for a good story. You know, sometimes we don't care whether they're true or not. We just want you to tell us a story. And and a lot of the Southern writers that I enjoyed uh, um, were... Talking were, songwriters or writers, writers? like Writers, uh, and, you know, and now stepping away from the, the South, I'm thinking about Ernest, Ernest Hemingway, but, but as, you know, William Faulkner, Ernest Hemingway, um, as well as songwriters, you know, like, uh, like Towns Van Zandt and people like that. But um, there's there's something about about the backbone of a story being a place, and like and then you can kind of go in and tell the different intricacies and the different you know uh, limbs off of that stable you know trunk yeah. of place. Yeah. Well, you don't get as many city stories from the mm-hmm. Southeast because there aren't as many big cities. So yeah. like when I'm thinking about music, you know, certain styles have more, I call them space between the notes. Mm-hmm. It's more open. And I feel like that's how the Southeast is. There's more space between the words yeah. to like populate that with imagination or yes. to populate that with a sense of place or to populate that with a character. Sure. Whereas if you're in the city, it's like coming at you like a wall. Boom, yes. here's all this stuff. And then you have to kind of sort through it. And you might focus it down or, you know, micro or macro, you know, sure. change your perspective. But in the South, there's so much room. Yes. You know, like think of the great Southern novels, To Kill a Mockingbird. You know, exactly. it's you know, tell, told from the perspective of a child, essentially, okay. like viewing a court case. And then there's racial overtones. But then there's a real simple moments, too, yeah. of what it's like is there's space to, to, to populate that with your imagination. And the Southern songwriters, you know, even, you know, I would throw, you know, John Prine, uh, John Hyatt, although he's from, he's from Southern Indiana, which yeah. is practically the South. You know, yeah. so many great writers. Jesse Winchester, he just passed yeah. away in the last few months. Yeah. He was from, from Memphis. And, and he, he, I was listening to one of his great songs, um, uh, fittingly called Mississippi, You're On My Mind, yeah. that a lot of people covered. But, I mean, he really, in the song, it's a, it's a beautiful, genius song. Um, and it's he, he just kind of says a few things, but he leaves it open to the imagination and to, to the, the listener to kind of just visualize that simple statement. I think I see a wagon-rutted yeah. road with the weeds growing tall between the tracks. And, and then he just kind of moves on and just describes different things. And there's a story within every sentence in that song. Yeah. And a lot of people that write, uh, Guy Clark is like that. Uh, Guy Clark's from West Texas, and I think... Originally, he lives in Nashville now and has for years, but but he's able to just within every song, there are so many places where you can fill in the blanks or take it this way or just um, just you know go a whole um, you have a whole song within a song. Yeah, what's well, the tabula rasa idea that you as the songwriter are? You're creating that world and then populating that world with something, mm-hmm. setting characters against each other. Because that's another thing that you do well, you know, story type songs, which mm-hmm. is kind of a towns type of thing. 
um, you know, it's country music has a lot of those type of songs, yeah. uh, and you know, country music now. I mean, what what is country music now in any way? Yeah, really. You know, it's 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 a fractious beast because yeah. the pop style country has become more poppy than ever before. Mm-hmm. I keep one of the presets in my truck. Uh, is a country station because I do I love to study even if they're yeah. abhorrent pop country songs like the, those I like to study the way they're put together. But I'm getting to the point where they're not discernible from pop. Like they have yeah. the same type of production techniques exactly. You know, it's not just pop with pedal steels, which is what it was after Garth Brooks. Well, also, and I, I want to um, I want to get away from sounding like I'm judgmental toward it because I'm I'm not at all. But one of the differences that I find between that style, the the pop modern style of country music that you find on your, you know, 105 FMs or whatever, 107s, versus the stuff that's happening um, you know, on the lower on the lower stations and, and, and podcasts and stuff. And and I think this I don't know when this started happening, but but somewhere over the course of the last twenty five or thirty years and more and more, the songs that I that the one style of country is the people that are writing the songs and out there and, and live in, whether you're in one place and writing a song or whether you're traveling and writing a song, but they're the the performer writes the songs. Whereas a lot of these songs I think are are written, you know, by business people, you know, I don't want to say in suits in a in a office building, but they're kind of written and then they find an actress or an actor to sing them. And, um, and so it's just different, you know, that's a great, you know, that's great. It obviously it works cause it has such a, a wide array of fans, but there's something very genuine also about the blue collar man's country music, you know, that, um, that Hank Williams and, and Johnny Cash and, you know, Tom T. Hall and people like that, that they, they, I think if, if Tom T. Hall came out today you know as a again as a 32 year old young songwriter like when he started you know he would probably be called americana or something like that but it's a it's it's a little different but there's just so much diversity today that genre has kind of become a catch-all for anything that doesn't fit in the pop country realm and then it kind of bleeds over into rock a little bit but we spend a lot of time talking about this because it's this strange genre that isn't Every you know, it isn't one thing, and it isn't a lot of things. But who knows what exactly it is? But but a lot of the music I like tends to fall in that yeah. because they don't know what to, they don't know where else to put it. You know, you've got Gillian right. Welch and David Rawlings. What are they exactly? You know, depression era yes. songs. I don't know. <laughs> There's no bin for depression era songs. You know, uh, a guy like John Prine, who's had or John Hyatt, who's had enough success to have a lot of other people cover his music. Where do you exactly put him? Yeah. You know, it's not just because it has pedal steel doesn't mean it's country exactly. or just because it doesn't doesn't mean it's not. Exactly. I don't know. Anyway, how well, it's kind of neat that it gives you the, 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 the wide, um, the, that term Americana gives you the, the, the um, leeway, you know, to, and it, it doesn't constrict us. Like if you, if you said, if, if I was introduced as a folk musician, I would almost feel like, oh, okay, yeah. I've got to play folk. But Americana, you can be anything. You yeah. Know? So. Tell a story. I think you're right. I think it does come down to stories. So, Gan, how about another song, man? We've got about enough time for a couple more before we've got to get rolling here. What's this next one going to be? Sure. This is uh, this is a song that I about uh, last fall or winter I was 
trying to beat the snow out of Arizona. I was trying to get from from late at night from Phoenix to maybe a gig up in Albuquerque, and I had to go through through a little town called Payson, Arizona, and um, and I wound up having to stop there for the night in a in a motel. And I was I was reading a, a Louis L'Amour book at the time called The Lonesome Gods. And um, anyway, I, I um, kind of this song was was born um, out of out of that. And I went back to New York City about a month later. And uh, my friend Ryan Cheney, he's an anthropology professor by day and a musician of the undergrounds by night. Um, he he and I co-wrote this song together, and um, anyway, I haven't uh, obviously recorded it yet, but I, I look forward to putting it on my next record. All right, brand new songs. Love to hear new songs. So Gan Brewer on Independence Day. Let's hear this. Payson, Arizona's my kind of town When I'm Albuquerque bound I was a cowboy all my days And I never could figure your sweet ways And it, it don't mean a thing It don't mean a thing Well, don't go calling back the fuss I'm a Vicksburg man, or at least I was Cross that river at 309 All the way to that old Texas line And it don't mean a thing It sure don't mean a thing Long live the king Long live the king. Well, if you be of a gypsy mind, well, I'll tell you where you can find the best there is or ever was, and the reason being just because, and it. It don't mean a thing It sure don't mean a thing Well, some said Phoenix, some said L.A. Well, that's a song for another day As long as we still know our name Well, all of Albuquerque's still fair game in it it don't mean a thing It don't mean a thing Long Live the king Long Live the king
time to start it all again I passed you on the eve of sin A half of me's in El Paso And the other half just won't let go And it, it don't mean a thing It sure don't mean a thing Long live the king Long live the king Long live the king You're listening to Independence Day. My name is Joe Armstrong. That was Gan Brewer. You can learn about him at ganbrewer.com. Gan with two N's. Is that short for something else, Gan? No, it's just, it's. it was my um, my grandmother's last name. It's your family name? It was a family name. That's something you find in the South. There's a lot of, yes. there's a name that runs through my family like that too, but I don't want to tell anybody. <laughs> it's, not, it's not an embarrassing name, but uh, I don't want to blow it. Maybe someday I'll have to, I'll have to write it into sure. a song. I'll write okay. it into a song and then you'll hear it. Okay. You'll know that. That's perfect. Uh, let's, let me ask you this, man. This is kind of a, uh, maybe an odd way to go, but you do so much traveling by yourself. Like, do you get lonely out there by yourself? Sure. Sure. Um, I talk to myself, you know, I, I laugh with myself, cry with myself, yell at myself. You know, sometimes I go days without speaking to myself, but, um, you know, it's, um, I think we all get get lonely. I think that, that that's something that whether you know, even if I was was surrounded by people, which you know, when I'm in New York City, you are a lot. Um, but but there's something about being alone for long periods of time. You know, say it's been three days since you've had a single conversation with anyone other than you know, thank at the you, gas at the station. Gas station. Yeah. yeah, and but there's there's you come. To, to grips with it and you realize that it's it's a beautiful part of of life and and loneliness is 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 not something that that we should shy away from or deny you know it's it's a part of us and so so sure I get lonely but you know I don't think any more than than anybody yeah. else anyone else who travels by themselves around sure. the country for thousands yeah. and thousands of miles well there's there's alone or there's there's loneliness and then aloneness yeah. And I think maybe those are two different things because I I grew up in a very big family. My you know, I had four brothers or I had you know two brothers, two sisters, four siblings. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus, every one of my siblings was the ringleader at their specific age group, so there were always hangers on, and like it was a my yeah. family house it was a big communal thing. And then my extended family is even bigger. I think my both my parents had like six siblings, <laughs> five five to seven siblings each. So, you know, I had to learn to be alone. And it's funny you brought up New York City because that's where I really learned to be alone mm-hmm. or learned how to be alone. Uh, I was dating an actress who was always gone, playing shows elsewhere. And I spent a lot of time by myself and I'd moved to that city without knowing anybody. And I'm surrounded, you know, ostensibly the largest city in the country. And I'm mm-hmm. surrounded, you know, by people I don't know. So yeah. I'm alone. Yeah. And to have that much energy around but yet feel alone was an interesting feeling. And I think it was in a really important yeah. growth moment for me as a human. Sure. Sure. If you you know to to be surrounded by so many people in all these buildings and 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 to still and and to feel alone, it can be it can be um, quite 
I don't want to say daunting, but it can be particularly uh, um, tough in a place like yeah. that. I think of that Paul Simon or, or maybe the Simon and Garfunkel song, The Only Living Boy in New York, uh, yeah. you know, that kind of captures that. But but then, con- you know, on the, on the other side of the coin, um, um, when you're out there and, you know, driving around and, you know, you can kind of create, you know, I, 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 my friends are the, the, the mesa that I'm looking yeah. at for the next 20 miles or the clouds that, that, that I'm watching or, or maybe just the breeze. Or, I do or that maybe too. The, the, the songs like, I'm listening to. The mountain in the distance. Sure. You can see it a hundred miles away. Oh yeah. I, I drove you, yesterday yeah. from, I, I woke up yesterday morning in Wairica, California, and I drove here, um, just on, way up in the Northern on Interstate five, Wairica. And, and I got up in the morning and there was Shasta. Mount Shasta, yeah. beautiful Shasta on a beautiful, crisp, clear morning, driving south over the, the rest of the mountain passes and then to Redding, 100 miles south. I, I looked at my rearview mirror, 20 miles south of, of Redding, and I could still see Shasta, yeah. you know, just right there. I, I love that. Yeah, the landmarks kind of become your friends. They do. And they mean, like, can you see them again? It's, another, it's a cool way to, to mark the t- passing of time. is Because you know, time and space, you get the whole time-space continuum. It's all the same thing, yeah. really, because time is space. Anyway, we've got about enough time for one more tune, man. Let's get one more in under the wire here. What have you got for us for, your, for one more tune? Well, this is a song that I, I have yet to put on a record. It's, um, it, it, I wrote it a few years ago. Um, and I, I recorded it for Peddlers and Coast. But when I was placing the songs, I... I I didn't find uh, a place for it to fit. Um, I had another song that I thought sounded just like it. But I, I wrote this song, and I was in Charlottesville, Virginia one night. This was a song that um, I was talking about. Some songs you write over several years and other songs you write in 20 minutes. And I was um, living on a uh, pad in an apartment in Charlottesville that my sister owned. Um, in, in the town of Charlottesville, and, and it was empty, waiting on the next tenant. It had like two months empty. So me and this dog moved in for those two months. We were just told to keep it clean, and the dog could only walk in certain places. Don't burn it down. Don't burn it down, you know, and, and give it a good deep clean before the tenants come in. And one night, I just bounced up out of out of bed, and, and I wrote this song. And... Um, I don't know if I should if I should say this, but I I had Jerry Jeff Walker's Stony. He has a song called Stony Pattern in my head when I when I when the words came out. I think the day before I'd been playing Stony like over and over this traveling great traveling song that Jerry Jeff wrote, um, and so I had that pattern in my head, and I guess I didn't want to sing Stony to it, so I I um, I put these these words down and um anyway hope to hope to record it uh, on my next record all right one more song from gan brewer and independence day
Won't you put your hand in mine For a little while well, I could use a friend like you For this next mile My cell phone's not ringing Nobody even knows I'm in town So won't you put your hand in mine For this next round I dreamed I was back in that old place That we both knew Except in my dream There was nobody between me and you And we were drinking Colorado Bulldogs On a Sunday afternoon You had a smile across your face Cause we both knew Just holding on to heaven As I saw it in my mind I passed the days just getting by Telling everybody I was doing fine I caught the man in the mirror I couldn't even look him in the eyes Just holding on to heaven In the best disguise So won't you put your hand in mine For a little while Well I could use a friend like you For this next mile The whole world's not turning Nobody even knows my name So won't you put your hand in mine For this next game One last time, Gan Brewer, Mississippi-born songwriter, is a child of the world, or a man of the world, I should say. Now, man, you are everywhere at once, and I'm, I'm envious. You know, <laughs> I, I've done a lot of traveling in my life, but it's never enough. Like mm. once that gets into your blood, yeah, it's never enough. Like I just, ever, I want to see everything. Yeah, I'd go to the moon if, if I could. Oh yeah, if I yeah. could. Well, the more you travel, and the, the the more you see, the more you realize you haven't seen. Um, yeah. Um, I think that. I don't know who said it, but one of my favorite quotes says that the the greatest the cer- the greater the search light, the greater the circumference of the unknown. So, you know, if, if you search and search and go and travel, you just realize how much more, how little you know, and how much more there is to see. And um, and you know, I'm at a point now where I enjoy traveling. I enjoy going to new places, and I I will go to new places, but. 
you know, wow, I, I really love going back somewhere and seeing some, some old friends. I'm about to be back in Alaska um, fairly soon. And, yeah. And I just, I was thinking last night, I was like, oh man, it's been almost a year. I really miss, I miss walking around the lower lake just yeah. above Skagway. And I miss the, the, um, um, Hotel Alaska. Yeah. Alaska is the only state I've never been to. I've been to 49 of the 50 states in a bunch of countries. So maybe one of these days, maybe I'll just tag It's on. not going anywhere, not and going it anywhere. probably won't change too much. Yeah. So maybe I'll just tag on with you sometime. We'll go come on. We'll, come we'll, we'll on. Campfires and guitars. Sounds good to me. That's great. So that's what's coming up next for you, right? You've got yeah. a bunch of dates up in, up in Alaska. No specific dates planned, but you've got enough of a network up there that you can just yes. kind of pick up some stuff yes. when you get there. I'm, I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be up in Alaska and I, I generally, uh, play at the same couple of bars, um, in Skagway a time or two each. And then I, I play in, in Juneau and at the, uh, Alaskan hotel. And, um, then I'll be, um, I'm planning on going to Anchorage and Homer as well. I was in Anchorage last year for the first time and played at a, at a, uh, market there that they have on the weekends yeah. and uh, they, where they have live music and that was really nice sounds but like fun man it's it's great I, I feel very lucky and and the people there in Alaska and the people you know in every place I've been yeah are are really wonderful people and and I feel really lucky to to be able to know them for this brief this brief period so I think the moral for the story today is travel <laughs> get out, see some stuff, learn some new stuff, expand your horizons. Yeah, I think that's. I mean, we already know this. Sure, think, you know, sure. because we know that the more we travel, the more we're going to want to travel. The more we need to travel. Oh, but yeah. there's other people it who gets, don't. Gets and I think, blood. and they definitely need to. So, Gan, man, thank you, thank so you, so much for spending the time sharing your music with us. It's great. People can visit your website, ganbrewer.com. You're in and out of California, so people who are local sure. can check you out. A couple times a year, you're here. I'm here. Let's see. This is my second time in the last. What month? Yeah, I, this is my second time in the last couple of months, and I'll be here okay. a couple of more times this year. All right, so check out the website ganbrewer.com. Pick up his music, and best of luck on this record release, man. Looking forward to you selling millions and millions of copies, so, so you can get a you can get a whole <laughs> fleet of Priuses. So thanks to Gan Brewer, also to the Independence Day staff, Valentina Rivera, Dale Tanksley, Wayne Topinski, and Sally Shackleton. The formidable Tony Tone Loke Piscotti manages the Independence Day website. Independence Day's theme music was composed by Great Lakes Myth Society. For Independence Day, I am Joe Armstrong. Please be good to one another. So that's the interview proper. Now I'll keep those on real quick because we're going to do just a really short intro for that web extra one. <clears throat> Think on this for just a second. Three, two, one. My name is Joe Armstrong, and we're listening to a web exclusive. I bring you artists from around the country and around the world, and few people exemplify that, like Gan Brewer does, G-A-N-N -N Brewer. You can learn about him at ganbrewer.com. He tours all over the country and all over the world, and I get a feeling that even if you weren't a musician, you'd be wandering everywhere. Is that right? Oh, yeah. That's totally yeah. your thing, man. So you've got enough time for about one more song here. What's this going to be and why? Well, I'm going to do, uh, do a cover. I'm going to do a, um, a song by, by Tom Waits. Um, that I think um, kind of, kind of, um, I don't know, has a has a little travel theme to it. Um, it's called Pony, and I I initially learned this song. I've actually played it in front of Tom Waits fans who who did not know he wrote it. Um, although if you're a deep Tom Waits fan, obviously you would. But 
I actually learned it from listening to a uh, rambling Jack Elliott version of this song that he put on a on a record called The Long Ride ten or fifteen years ago. And anyway, it's a it's a song that I that I just just adore. And um, and it's a it's a song we were talking about place, and it's a song that that kind of kind of has a sense of place, mentions a lot of places, mentions a dog at the very end, or at least I interpret Jip as a dog, yeah. as well as with certain songs, I have a feeling that the narrator may be talking from the grave. Yeah. Yeah. He knows his way around a song, as do you, Gan. So thank you for spending the time, man. Gan Brewer, one more track on Independence Day. That's it. Cool. Is that too long of an intro to a song? I can. No, it's fine. I can. Uh, I can always take stuff out. Better to have too much than not enough.